Welcome back to the High Impact Physician Podcast. Today we have Dr. Tom Schellenberger coming on the show to talk about his experience with coaching as a head and neck surgical oncologist. He's opening up about what led him to hire a coach, what he got out of it, the awkward moments, and who he'd recommend it to. It's a, it's a really good episode for anyone who's considering hiring a coach, maybe on the edge and wondering what it's really like from the inside. You're going to get the candid thoughts of a surgeon, and hopefully that informs your decision about how you want to invest in yourself and your growth. So with that, let's get into the show. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the show and happy Tuesday. Thank you, Sandy. Happy Tuesday. I'm thinking in terms of getting started, why don't we just begin with an introduction and have you tell us a bit about you and how you got to where you are. My journey started back in Western Pennsylvania many, many years ago as we currently in Phoenix, Arizona. Several stops along the way. My professional career really kind of reached its zenith in Houston, where I did my oncologic surgery training and became so enamored with offering a form of oncology care that could be delivered outside of not only the greatest cancer center in the world, but in other locations where a methodology was so helpful for optimizing cancer care. So from Houston, I went to Orlando, Florida, and ultimately to Phoenix. And that's the journey that I've been on fighting cancer along the way and trying to uh, offer the most optimal care for patients with head and neck cancer that is possible. You and I worked in a coaching engagement, and I learned a lot along the way about just some of the complexities and nuances of navigating a really stellar career, the work as a provider, as a physician, and as a leader. So let's jump right in there and talk a bit about what was going on in your life that led you to reach out and work with a physician coach. I had worked with a physician coach, I think from the first time, probably about 15 years ago, and had the great opportunity to learn about coaching and benefit from coaching. Also, I think the appreciation of how difficult access to coaching can be. So after my initial experience with coaching in Florida, I was fortunate enough to get another opportunity with coaching in Arizona, and that's where you and I initially met several years ago. And that was such an impact experience on me that I actually enlisted to provide some services as a coach myself. Again, kind of getting back to the idea of how difficult it is to kind of access uh, the right kind of coaching. But I realized more than a year ago, I think it was probably at the beginning of 2020, just kind of had been a bit detached from any coaching and kind of felt a bit out of tune. I think it was mainly a misalignment that my vision seemed to be with my organization that kind of led me to feel this misalignment and the need to address it rather urgently. In the beginning of the process of getting back into coaching, I think my main issue was sort of looking at the challenges that I was facing and really just, I think, wanting to kind of make them go away or try to go in a different direction, get away from them, find a situation that was more aligned with my mission and values. And during the process of coaching, I think I realized that those challenges were things that I was really avoiding, that I was really not looking at those struggles as something that I should be working through, but something that I should be avoiding at all costs. 
in the process, I kind of came to realize that my misalignment was probably just due to kind of seeking what we all kind of want is comfort and security without having to fight the hard battles or go through the difficult struggles and challenges. And that is really what kind of led me to understand in context what that initial challenge was and how it was blocking me from satisfaction. And it was so interesting because I can remember in our conversations, what I was noticing is there's this thing that happens to probably all of us in our lives. And that is we can on the outside of our life grow, like get degrees and lead big projects and have all these major research accomplishments. So grow our outer life. And yet there's not a lot of opportunities to grow our inner life. And so we can reach this inner tension of like who I am and what I value internally is feeling farther and farther away from what I'm doing externally. And I love the conversations we had, which were really grooming and developing that inner life of who you've been, who you are and who you're becoming. So talk a little bit more about the impact of that challenge at the beginning. When you're feeling that misalignment, that challenge, what was the impact of that on you personally? The word that I kept coming back to for myself was just feeling um, in bondage, feeling enslaved, that I had this you know, feeling that I was stuck and I didn't have really the freedom to choose what I should choose to move forward. I just kind of felt stuck at the crossroads and sort of paralyzed where I felt like I wasn't really open to the possibilities that I needed to be open to, that I was sort of looking that there was only one way out of every challenge that I was facing, and that was to go somewhere else to avoid the challenge instead of looking at a multiplicity of options or feeling like there was only one path that I could go down, but multiple paths and sometimes not thinking in the either or, but thinking in the both and mentally and considering just a, a broad array of different options. And the impact of these challenges, I think when I boiled it all down, realized that there's underlying things like distress, things like fear, things like anxiety, were sort of the impact that those challenges were having on me uh, internally. And that was sort of the cause of the misalignment. I'm sitting here smiling because I'm wondering what it would have been like if we could have played this conversation for you back a year and a half ago, <laughs> what that might have felt like. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's tempting to think that, but I think it's such a journey that we go on uh, mm -hmm. in terms of our getting from point A to point B, and it just requires hard work. There's just no easy solutions to it. There's no easy way. The path forward is just always hard and difficult, and it's only when we fail to recognize that that our expectations are so out of kilter with reality. Yes, yes. Well, and a huge shout out to you because in between each of our coaching conversations, we would craft kind of a mini action item or something to do. And you were just really committed to experimenting and trying out new mindsets or new ideas or new actions. So let's jump into that a little bit, maybe unpack some of your experiences, some of your insights, and you can start wherever you want in terms of maybe an example of an action you took or a principle you discovered or something that you did in between coaching calls that maybe started to open up these spaces. So maybe an action and the impact of that. And you can start wherever you want with that. 
Yeah, and I think that's probably not something that was obviously intuitive to me is to think, okay, what new strategies can I wrap my brain around that can lead to solutions? I think for me, it you know took um, probably a lot of under the surface trying to get to where I was, you know, open to some of the steps that were involved in the actions. So there's two or three actions that come to mind uh, right off the bat. And I think the first one was the commitment to the self-reflection on a real tangible way. Examination, journaling found to be and continue to find to be such an important tool in self-reflection. And just making that commitment, any growth that we're going to encounter in progress just depends on that commitment. And it really just has to be a daily commitment. It's not something we can make progress if we're just doing it once in a while. And the process that kind of came out of that for me uh, was sort of grasping that I needed first knowledge. I needed sort of a conceptual framework for what it takes in order to undergo progress. And then from that, understanding what self-knowledge is contained within that, understanding what my specific traits or personalities or challenges on which to apply that knowledge. And that finally results in action. And so your your kind of prodding on that was the, the notion of the leap. Once you've kind of gone through this process, then the leap is possible. It's taking this jump, this action that you're going to kind of do without perhaps any real cognitive hope that it's going to work. But it's a leap and it's kind of a leap of faith. Secondly, I think the real most valuable uh, kind of tool or, or action that you and I did together was just writing the mission statement that really required the objectivity of a coach, something that I could really not do on my own, but with the objectivity of coaching really gave me a chance to better hone in on what the ends, what the telos of what my mission could be. That involved things like emotional intelligence, things like dialogue, and an exercise that we called my Luke, (laughs) which was a uh, process by which our idealized self reflects back on us. And then lastly, I would say the action that kind of came by discovery was just sort of a realization that putting first principles first could overcome a lot of the challenges that become by circumstances. So we tend to get wrapped up in our circumstances. And so whether that's, you know, issues with our bosses, issues with our partners, issues with the pandemic, uh, these are all circumstances that can determine our actions. But our actions really need to be determined by those first principles. So you know, that kind of grounded me to really just, you know, using reason and faith together to follow truth led me to the conviction that really allows overcoming circumstances and determining actions. For me, as your coach and walking beside you, we went through the discovery process and what you came up with for your goals and what you wanted to focus on. I remember feeling like a little bit of a low bar or like a kind of really overly practical, tactical. And as we went through the conversations, you just erupted into these new ideas and perspectives. And I felt like I was just kind of hanging on to your coattails, <laughs> keeping up with these insights you're having. And it's so true. People are just incredibly creative, resourceful, and whole in so many ways. 
ways. And even sitting here today, listening to you share these insights, I'm uh, reflecting back on my own growth as a coach and walking beside you. It was so awesome. Yeah, well, that's that's truly your gift, Sandy, is you have um, this incredible knack of challenging the inner self to kind of bring out what uh, it can't bring out on its own. And that's what I found time and time in our coaching sessions. Somehow you were able to bring out to the surface what was underneath the surface and, you know, might have lingered there, you know, indefinitely. But just the challenges that you put forth uh, were what really made those things in the dark come to light. Awesome. I'm wondering, is there another tool impact you do want to move into the hardest and most awkward part of working with a coach? Let me just tell one quick story, if I could, about that process of writing the mission statement. Um, You know, I think this is an exercise that we might view on the surface as being sort of an esoteric thing. We tend to see mission statements as things that corporations put out, and they're just a lot of words, and maybe somebody believes that, probably the entire organization or what have you. Anyway, so I think the whole idea of a mission statement is we have to get by that superficial kind of aspect of it to kind of get to the deeper part of it. And I think that's probably where my kind of resistance to that exercise might have been initially. But the way that you approached it, you gave me this sort of value-based approach where you kind of stripped down and helped me discover what were my values that were most important in putting this mission statement together. And it really challenged me, I think, just, you know, not to consider values, but consider a hierarchy of values, you know, which ones were the most important out of all of the vast number of values and to interpret mission through those values was such an amazing tragedy. And, you know, the thing that that I want to kind of drive home about the process was that it was such an organic thing when it finally did evolve, those values came out um, in the mission statement. It was such a revelation. It happened probably over the course of just a few minutes uh, where you kind of just brought me through the process of putting the values into words. And boom, there it was. And it was so impacting to me to finally have this sentence or two that, you know, was an objective summation of everything that I was trying to capture, that instead of being something that I needed to like constantly remind me of myself, it was something that clicked so certainly into position that I literally never had to go back to it again from the day we did that exercise. So it was something so sure and so certain to me. It just confirmed a conviction that I had that never did I really have to remind myself of it. Or uh, it just it was just a, such a truth for me that was unforgettable that uh, the certainty of it was just beyond question. And Tom, I'm wondering, as you tell that story now, what surprises you most about that experience or the impact of that experience? What surprises me most, I think, is that it was so close the whole time. Yes. It was just right underneath the surface, and I just didn't seem to have the wherewithal to really articulate my mission in an objective way that I could cast off as a creation, that I could do it outside of me once I did it, and it just brought a new sense of purpose. I've shared with you over and over again the uh, the metaphor that I learned from G.K. Chesterton that our life's journey is sort of this constant battle of trying to find our home, trying to find what we're comfortable and familiar with in a sea of uncertainty or things that don't seem so familiar. But at the end, you know, it's that combination. We need life to be familiar and 
at the same time adventurous. We need to have life be a shock, but for it not to be shocking, in the words of Chesterton. Okay, I think we could just unpack that in so many ways. I think we're coming up with some Tomisms, this idea that, <laughs> that there's so much, so much beauty so close to us the whole time, and how things can click into a place of certainty. And just that whole contrast of yearning for certainty and this world of uncertainty. I love some of those phrases. Thank you for that. Okay, let's jump into, I don't know if it's a myth or a truth, though. A lot of times when I start working with someone, there's this sense of either this is awkward or I'm not sure how to do this. So talk to us um, in all honesty and transparency, what can be the hardest or most awkward part of working with a physician coach? I think it's opening ourselves to a bit of vulnerability. I think there's parts of ourselves that we want to close off and keep closed off. Those are the areas that often require our most attention. There's a lot of self-reflection that I think, you know, we're forced to do. And again, that means not only looking ourselves, but showing it to another person. And that I think is where a lot of our bondage and our slavery kind of evolves from that place where we just really want to go from point A to point B without looking at the, at the things that unsettle us the most. I'm thinking about, and I'm sure physicians talk all the time in terms of helping patients to heal. There's models about change, right? And the pain point has to yeah. be hard enough, right? Before we're willing to lose weight or quit smoking or maybe go work with a coach. It's like there needs to be enough. Well, that's of a right. Pain it's, point. <laughs> it's, you know, that physician heal thyself principle mm -hmm. that, you know, we really can't be good healers ourselves if we don't adhere to the sort of model that we do for our patients. I like the way you said that. It feels more invitational and I would agree with you. Yes. So I'm wondering for any physician out there listening now who's feeling stuck or wants to grow, but feels awkward or maybe doesn't have a goal or something, what are some recommendations you might give to them? And it could be absolutely anything or even a series of ideas. You know, what I found the biggest impact in the actions that we went forward with here was sort of the discovery, the realization that the challenges that, you know, we're faced with in our professional lives, our personal lives, these are not the things, again, to avoid or to shy away from, but they're usually affecting us in a really deep way because they're the places that we most need to engage in. They're where the battle is occurring. They're where we need to embrace rather than move away from. That's where just summoning up the courage that we need to do that is the hardest part. And kind of leaning into those challenges rather than away from them is what's the biggest impact in taking these actions. I love another definition for courage that comes from Chesterton as well, is that seeking life in a spirit of furious indifference to it is that idea of abandon that you know, we're going to face our challenges and really not shy away from them, which is the easy thing to do, but overcoming the challenge to face it in the way that we want to face it the least. Secondly, I think in terms of impact of those actions, sometimes just starting over. Questioning everything is important. You know, everything that we thought was true up to this point, maybe we ought to just start over sometimes and you know reconsider everything. Start from nothing. That's kind of what you did when you kind of rolled out you know a list of 20 or 30 values and just you know how do you rank these? How do you prioritize those? It's a way of just sort of cleaning the slate and going forward you know, with uh, 
uh, with rediscovery. And I think the value in that is it sometimes lets us go of some bad ideas and some dysfunctional ways and there find a new sense of purpose. And then ultimately, uh, I think the impact of those actions can give us the freedom that we need in order to choose the good and not be forced to accept things in the way that our circumstances want them to accept them. But when we're anchored in those first principles, then we truly can have the uh, freedom for the right choice, uh, choosing the good. Gosh, I just, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about Ken Wilber has this approach called the integrative approach. And in terms of human development, and even just the sciences like chemistry, anatomy, biology, physics, he talks about how there's this integrative approach of how an atom evolves and transcends into molecules. And molecules, I think he says, integrates and transcends into cells. And cells integrate and transcendent organs. And the thing he talks about is how as we're growing, much like atoms, molecules, cells, tissues, etc., there's this way we can take the good with wherever we came from and then transcend that into the next level of thinking or being or growing. And then we can take whatever is right with that and grow from that. And I just really appreciate many of our conversations that looked at what was useful to get me to where I am. And then sometimes kind of just pausing some of that, as you say, to start over, or even explore or imagine what are some other ways or more expansive ways to think about things that might conflict with the ways I earlier grew but we can take some good from that, but then also let go of some of that. Let me yeah. pause. Is that landing? I've, I've talked to that with two or three people, but is that landing right now when I say that with you? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think when we sort of engage in that mission, uh, I think it's not a thing that is necessarily malleable or changeable in us. I think it's there, you know, under the surface. And at various times in our life, we're seeing parts of it, but never the whole or never clearly. But that process of mission statement writing helps us, I think, to, to sharpen the edges, uh, gives us greater force to the mission and increases that clarity that helps us, I think, not to necessarily develop a new mission or a change in the mission, but just understand what's already there. Okay, I love that phrase, understanding what's already there. That's so much about what this coaching mindset is about, is reconnecting us with what's already there, what's been so yeah. close the whole time. The metaphor that I would use for it is kind of like the sun on a cloudy day. You know, We know that it's there. You know, We can't necessarily see it, especially if it's really cloudy, but it doesn't mean that it's any less true than if the skies were clear, but whatever circumstances are preventing us from seeing it as clearly as we otherwise would, it's just a matter of, of gaining clarity uh, through the clouds. A surgeon who speaks in metaphor, you won me over. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So maybe in closing, Tom, imagine physicians out there listening. What's the final message that you would want to share with others? Just to strive to understand uh, what the complexity of our lives obscures for us, mm. uh, that everything in our life, the patterns, the meaning, the symbols are all pointing to something of a deeper reality. That's where we understand who we are. That's where we understand who God is. It's a journey, and every good journey, um, every good journey is a process of of conversion. It's a process of change. So the best stories 
you know, things like the Iliad, the Odyssey, Divine Comedy, Lord of the Rings, all these stories involve evolution of, of character, process of conversion. And I think that's really the essence of uh, what the journey entails. Okay, just so you know, I feel very intimidated. You're saying all these really profound things, and I'm just hanging on to your words, but I'm really at a loss for words on what to say, especially that phrase of it's a process of conversion and change. That is so true. I just hadn't thought of it in terms of those words before and just appreciate the way you think of things. Well, I have so appreciated this conversation. It's been an absolute pleasure. Once again, I've learned some more. And I'm wondering for anyone out there who has a question, um, about coaching or your story or something else that you spoke about, how could people get a hold of you? My personal email is T as in Thomas, T as in Dale at Schellenberger, S-H-E-L-L-E-N-B-E-R-G-E-R dot net, N-E-T. And yeah, I'm certainly wide open to any questions or observations uh, that uh, this might have brought out and believe strongly that, you know, this is not just something that we all need as physicians, but I think any person who is functioning at a high level really needs some objectivity to spur their own self-examination. And that's what you've done for me, Sandy, and what uh, coaching is so basically and uh, integrally about. Absolutely beautiful. Well, it's been a pleasure for me to be on this journey with you. I'm so grateful for your time today and want to thank you again for this conversation. Thank you, Sandy. It's been a privilege and an honor uh, to, in even any small way, to shine back forth to you the efforts of this process. Well, thank you, and we will cross paths again sometime. Thank you. 